Episode 265, Bonus Edition, Interview with Beth Segner. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson summer interview series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Hey, y'all, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson, here to empower you. I want you to reach your potential. You know I refer to you as elite because that, to me, describes people that invest in themselves. And listening to a podcast is one way to do that. That's helping hone your craft. This episode today is certainly going to help you in the area of math instruction, on teacher leadership. So I'm excited. It's a special day. We've got a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named Beth Segner. She has got an empowering message. I want to tell you a little bit more about her first, though. So Beth is a math instructional coach at a K-5 school in Tennessee. She has experience in coaching both new and veteran teachers. She focuses on best practices for math instruction, co-teaching strategies, systematizing data meetings to really maximize effectiveness, and math interventions for those struggling students. She aspires to contribute to the work of developing teachers' capacity to understand math more deeply, follow that CRA model for mathematical understanding, and reduce math anxiety in students. Beth's educational passions include developing number sense, conceptual understanding, productive struggle, I love that one, and the belief that everyone can learn math. So let's dive into the show. Well, hey, Beth, thanks for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hey, Gretchen, it is so great to talk to you today. I am excited. I will share in a second how our paths cross, but we have folks tuning in from around the world, which is really cool. And I know that you have a unique message that we don't often talk about specifically in the math realm. So I know they're like, yes, finally, we've got a guru in the house. So I'm going to dive right in to the questions. And the first one I like to ask is, you know, how our paths crossed. And we happened to meet at the summit virtually 
actually, I guess, because we are presenting and I reached yes. out to you and I was like, I have got to get you on the podcast. <laughs> oh, you are so sweet. Yeah, that was such an amazing summit. Just all those wonderful coaching minds coming together. And I know I learned so much, especially from yours. And it was just, it was a great place to meet. And I'm just so excited to chat with you. Yeah, you know, that summit is amazing because when I started coaching, there was no support. I had to yeah. fake it till I made it. And it's still kind of like that at the district level. So I'm glad there's a place where we can all learn. But then like this, we got to connect and uh, hopefully we can continue that going forward. So why don't you catch us up before you were a coach? Where did you start in education? How did you get to where you are today? Sure. So I started, I um, was, am originally from Allentown, Pennsylvania. And so I got my degree in urban elementary education with a concentration in math. And mm. that's kind of a tongue twister. <laughs> but I, I really um, was just focused on math education. I've always loved math. My brain has always just thought in math. English was always difficult for me. And I know I was kind of a rare elementary ed major who loved math. I know. Oh, my most, gosh. <laughs> most L-ed majors they just kind of went by their curriculum and didn't want to veer off of that and were honestly a little bit scared of math. So I knew that was always my passion. And my husband's job brought us down to Tennessee. And so I started teaching first grade. I taught first grade for two years. And then I moved to fourth grade. I taught fourth grade math for three years. And so I was only in the classroom for five years before becoming a coach. Actually became a coach in the current school I was teaching at. So that was kind of an interesting dynamic as well. I know. And I think a lot of folks ask, should you move to a coaching role in the same school Mm -hmm. you taught or should you go elsewhere? And I think... The benefit is you know everybody, so you're not spending all the time building relationships. The downside is it's really hard to transition to as a leader when these are Mm -hmm. your friends, right? And it it can be an awkward conversation. Now, it's not that you're evaluating them, but you are kind of in their business now. You're in their safe space, and they might not want you there. So how did you navigate that? So it was actually an interesting transition because I was planning on becoming a fifth grade math teacher at a different building. I was just kind of at a point in my career where I just needed a change, and I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I had even moved my classroom. I I had said my goodbyes. And just, you know, life happens. And my former principal called me up and just said, I need you back. The way the culture is at our school right now, it's not great. And you coming back would turn it all around. Oh, wow. And that was extremely powerful to hear. And really, you know, even though I had said my goodbyes and I thought I had closed that chapter on that building, having someone believe in you like that and just reach out to you like, I need you to lead this push and you will be what turns this around for us. It felt like a lot of pressure, but an exciting pressure that I could be that for people. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So it was really kind of interesting and a little awkward at first, but I came back and everyone was just, you know, so, so excited. They loved it because it wasn't an outsider coming in, right. leading PDs all of a sudden or in their classroom all of a sudden. It felt really easy. Now, there have been, of course, some awkward and hard conversations that have had to be had about, you know, well, I'm not going to come to this and gossip about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of have to keep your separation from it. But overall, I think it was really the best move for me. And I'm really happy that I did it. And I came back and it's been a great, I've been now at that building coaching for four years. Holy cow. So why do you think your principal 
thought you might be the best person to build that culture? Is it something you did while you were in the classroom or just something about your personality? What was it that he or she knew that you would be the person to come in and do it? I I think it was, you know, I'm not super outspoken. I'm not like the big and in your face type of, you Mm -hmm. know, those morale boosters. I'm definitely not that. Um, I did have some good close relationships with a lot of people already in the building. And I think one of my traits that really helps me is I sit back and listen a lot. Mm. And I wait and just kind of observe and really think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And I think that my math background, too, and just kind of the shifts we wanted to make in some areas, she just kind of thought that that was going to be the best case scenario, you know, not an outsider, someone you already know and can trust. And I think I did have the respect of a lot of people at the school in my teaching abilities. So Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of already in place that I didn't feel like I had to prove myself to a lot of people. Good point. That it it was more of an easy transition. And it sounded like, I was going to say trust and you just said that, but it sounds like the way your personality is, it it draws people in. They feel safe, Mm -hmm. that they can tell you things or ask you for help. And Mm -hmm. as a coach, that's step one is you've got to get folks willing to want to chat with you or to let you in to see what's really happening. And it sounded like it was an easy transition for you and the staff. So that's mm-hmm. like a no brainer. And you're still there today, which is really cool. Right, right. I, I mean, I could be here for the next 20 years. and mm-hmm. be happy. I Aww. mean, coaching is just so interesting. And I'm just loving it so much that every year is still different. Mm-hmm. He's going out of your way to showing that you're thinking of someone and caring about them and kind of opening that conversation. But the one thing I really think I've come away with is the best PD you could ever have is sometimes just down the hall from you. And when we just can make a culture of just opening our doors and allowing other people to see the great work we're doing, that goes a long way because the teachers are the ones doing the hard, hard work in the trenches every day. And, you know, we can give that sterile PD presentation on something on, you know, a math best practice that you should do tomorrow. But if they're not seeing it in action, chances are they're not going to implement it. So I think just making a culture of, you know, we can walk into another building, not another building, we can walk into another classroom and see some amazing teaching and then turn it around and try it tomorrow because we just saw it in action. So I think just that kind of elevates the professionalism in our building too. Just knowing that, oh, someone else wants to come see my math lesson okay, I must be doing something right. Yeah. Amen. 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 Because Mm. we as coaches are connectors. When I first started coaching, I thought I had expertise Mm -hmm. and I was going to show and I was going to do and I was going to tell. And it's so not that you are literally the facilitator, the guide, hand holding, but the teacher's got to do all the work. And the best thing about a coach is you're in so many classrooms, you can leverage the strengths of the staff. You know who is great at what. And one thing you can do as a coach is remind your teachers Just because I want you to showcase one small piece of your lesson 
to somebody else yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you yourself yeah. are perfect at everything. So let's mm-hmm. not get a big head that like, oh, they're always in this room or, oh, I'm perfect. No, it's just you're really good at this one little thing. How can I replicate that with my other teachers? And that makes everyone else who has to go watch you feel better because they're not like, this is the God we all need to mimic. It's, oh, they're good. Let me grab this piece. Now let's go to this person. Let me grab this piece and let me share something I'm great at. And so it makes everyone feel like we are equals. So even if there is a veteran teacher who, you know, is killing it, is doing great, but they still are asking me for Mm -hmm. things or they're still reaching out and attending conferences and trying to make little small tweaks to their craft to get better to me, that is making them great. They're never sitting back like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I've done this a million times. They're never saying those comments. They're always trying to get better and asking for help when they need it. So I think that is like number one, you will be successful because you are always trying to improve. And another thing I would say that would make them just great is a student's first mindset. I think especially, you know, with COVID and all the additional pressures that are on teachers right now, it's really kind of easy to just say, okay, I'm just trying to survive right now. What can I quickly run off Mm -hmm. and go copy and put in front of my kids? But if they're still thinking about, no, not what's convenient for me as the adult, what is best for kids right now? And always putting students first, just keeping that mindset makes them just such a great educator. Yeah, 100% agree that just like you were saying in coaching every year is right. so different. There are different kids there are, and in coaching, there's the needs of the teachers change and the curriculum is different. And so every year you should think to yourself, mm-hmm. what is my focus and how can I get better? And it doesn't mean you always focus on your deficits. Maybe there's an area that you're good at, but you want to be great at. So we have to encourage our teachers mm-hmm. to have that hunger and that drive, but we also have to model right. that by going to our own conferences and connecting and making our own PLN. Just seeing so many first year teachers like run to me right away. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. You just got to do it. You, these are your kids now. You've wanted to do this. And so many people, you know, want to teach their whole lives. This is their passion. It's such a passionate career. And then you get in it and you're just stuck. So I think so many times we look, oh, that teacher has been teaching 20 years. I've got to go to her. She must be great. Well, yeah, she might be, but she might not do some things that you do great. And I think there's no set number of years that makes a great educator. There are some phenomenal teachers starting right out of the gate that just want to learn and soak up everything, but just are not as confident because they think, oh, I must not be as good as that one down the hall because she's been doing it forever. When in some cases, it's not the ones to look at, right? And looking back, I looked up to the wrong one. I just thought, okay, she's right next door to me. She's been teaching for, I think it was like 25 years. That must be it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to strive for. And now looking back, I just wish I would have had someone, a coach around me to say, oh, wow. you can be confident. Mm-hmm. You can do what you think is best. You don't have to do it that way. So I think there's no set number of years that makes a great educator. hundred oh, percent agree. You were just talking about mentorship. So where do you go? So we have like a full day outside of our schools to come together. And that is mm-hmm. truly just so been so invaluable to get together, you know, we are kind of the go-between between between district and schools. So, you know, of course there's things like we have to hear from the district that we're gonna be implementing, but just hearing how it's going at other places, sharing what's working with coaching and what's not, that's truly been invaluable. So it's more like a cohort that we have together 
um, of all of our schools. So the framework that's in place, I think is really strong in our district. And I know some of our surrounding yeah. counties don't even have like one math coach per school. So I know it's rare and does not happen everywhere, but so I feel very fortunate that I have that. Um, one, like Man. just math specific mm -hmm. kind of educational guru that I just want, need to plug. If you have not um, heard of him or seen his stuff is Graham Fletcher. So he has some great um, math progression videos out there. If you just look up Graham Fletcher, um, he does great three act tasks that you can implement. And these are all just really good things for a coach to know that can easily just model in a classroom that really just amps up um, what you're already doing in math. Um, he has some great like number talks and image talks and he just put mm -hmm. out um, a kit called building fact fluency and so i'm huge into like getting rid of time tests i think that that gives kids so much math anxiety and can turn kids off of math you know by the time they're in second grade so <laughs> i'm i'm so passionate about just building fluency oh, yeah. with math as opposed to speed and just True. really into kids knowing and being flexible and their thinking and understanding of math. So, so that's Graham Fletcher, mm -hmm. but he's a great one to check out. And then the other one I've really been leaning towards is not educationally based at all, but I've been reading so much from Brene Brown and I'm really trying to just work on some of my leadership skills and she's all about, you know, leading oh, courageously okay. and with your whole heart and being vulnerable. And that is something I know I need to work on. So I've been just reading a lot about her just to, cause I mean, it's outside of education, but it's not. And that's something I never had in any of my, you know, college work or getting my master's. Like mm -hmm. we didn't really talk about that stuff. So I, that's just something that I'm really passionate about focusing on. And the one quote I have it posted right by my desk at school that I'm really trying to, you know, stick to is that clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And I think, <laughs> yes, I think so many times, you know, we're trying to pick our words very carefully or yes, not say the whole say truth it. to spare feelings. <laughs> and then it ends up just not working out. And it's just creates this kind of snowball effect of not really being mm -hmm. honest. And so that's something it's hard for me, but that's something I'm really focusing on from her. I love that you're getting great advice and I want to give you a chance to give some great advice. Some of the greatest teachers I've ever mm -hmm. seen have left the profession mm -hmm. completely in the last few years. And so we yep. are just at this crucial time where I'm just so nervous that we're going to lose even more. So if you're on the fence about your just feeling like you were completely stuck, that was me too, mm -hmm. four years ago. It was my fifth year in the classroom. That's when I, you know, talked about I was packed up my classroom, was going to leave schools thinking that was the change I needed. I was just looking for something else. I wasn't feeling as fulfilled in the job as I thought I would be five years in. And all it took for me to land my coaching job was saying to an assistant principal, hey, in about 10 years or so, I think I would like to do that. I just put myself out there and said it in just a casual meeting. And that little plug in her ear is what caused my principal to call me and offer this to me then down the line. So it was, I don't even remember like preparing to say that to her in that meeting. It just was like, you know what? Mm. I need to start thinking beyond the classroom because I'm not feeling as satisfied as I thought I would in this role right now. And now granted, I'm the one that played school growing up. This is what I was always going to do. Like there was no other option, you know, mm. like my mom was a teacher, like, most phenomenal middle mm -hmm. school teacher 
I grew up making homework <laughs> assignments for myself over the summer. I mean, this was it for me. So to be five years in and thinking, oh my gosh, this is not what I thought was extremely scary. So just putting yourself out there for something more can make the change. I have fallen back in love with education again. I never want to leave this profession. And it took a change, yes, out of the classroom slightly to get there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just going back to what we said before about there's no set number of years. I was in the classroom for five years before I became a coach. Some of my good friends were in the classroom for 20 years before they became a coach. There's no set number. And I struggled with that a lot. You know, how am I supposed to coach a teacher mm -hmm. who has four times the experience of me? I was extremely self-conscious about that. I felt like, who am I to coach someone? And then I just realized, right. nope, it's just a number and I'm going to learn from her and she might learn something from me. And it's just a partnership. I'm not, I'm not above her. I'm just walking alongside her, being a support, being a friend at times, being there for her to get her through this time. So it's definitely just ugh, the time of education right now. It's just sad it's really really hard to see so many great people leave so just go for if you want something else go for it try not to leave the field because it's the kids yeah. need us they need us right now more than ever I resonate so much with your story it's kind of similar to how I ended up falling into coaching and I agree. It's about right. advocating for what you want. And sometimes we don't know what we want. Sometimes we don't even know what we're yeah. good at. Yeah. And so it's important that even though we are saying as leaders, be connectors, build relationships, teachers, on the other hand, have to also go. So you may have an administrator who knows nothing about you, or maybe a whole team of administrators who just really don't mm -hmm. know who you are as a person you can make the connections. Yeah. You can take the advice we're giving to the leaders and, and, and be that connector to them and drop little hints of things that you're mm -hmm. interested in, even if it's not related to education, because they are bombarded all day long with opportunities, either different job opportunities, or maybe there's an opportunity to connect with another school and do something together as right. a partnership. You have no idea what they are connected to in terms of your future job or your uh, mm -hmm. next fall in love moment. And so if you yeah. can start dropping seeds of, I really love hands-on math instruction. I hate time tests. I love presenting, you know, anything you can think of that's like, oh, if I could create my dream job, what are my skills? And then you might even say, I just don't have the experience or I've never really done this before. And then that's a seed too, because because your principal or admin, uh, exactly, assistant yeah. principal might say, hey, there's this conference over here. Didn't you say you wanted to get better at XYZ? We could pay for that. you know. Or, oh, hey, do you want to go watch someone else in another um, school building do XYZ? I know you said you wanted to get better at that. And so here I we are kind of saying to you, if you advocate for change and advocate for what you want, it will come to you, but you've got to let others know what it could potentially look like. So when they see it, they can pass it on to you or your friend of mind. And so if you're miserable, then make it your choice and your action step right now 
to connect and just talk about what you love with everybody. It doesn't just have to be the admin team. It could be the grade level chair. It could be your colleagues. As long as people know what you love, what you're good at, what you want to do more of, the opportunities will come. And just like Beth saying, we want to keep great educators in education. We both are our educators, even though our jobs look a little different, they're not in the classroom, we are still impacting kids and helping with the instructional piece of that. (laughs) And you can too. So keep your options open. We obviously aren't enforcing Mm -hmm. you to stay in a miserable state. Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. I think I would be out of education right now. And all it took was for me in a casual meeting to just say, I want to do that in the next, you know, maybe 10 years. I just planted a seed. That's all I did. I didn't do anything crazy. I just put it on someone's radar. I think, you know, getting that Mm -hmm. out of myself and speaking those words is what just made the whole shift for me. 100% agree. Well, let's have a little fun. So one question I always like to ask folks is what is your best all-star teacher moment? And if you want to do a leadership moment, that's fine too. But the reason I ask this is it's fun to hear success stories because sometimes we can focus on, oh, I was really bad at this, you know, but there are moments where we just shine. can visualize the whole thing. Small groups were up and running perfectly. Everyone was focused and engaged. And it. I just love teaching fractions. If I could teach <laughs> anything the rest of my life, it would be third, fourth, and fifth graders fractions. Does that make me weird? Probably. But I just love, it's something about it. And it's, you know, for a lot of kids that struggle with maybe multiplication or division, it's something different <laughs> and they can understand it. And, oh, it's just beautiful. So anyway, so we're in small group rotations yes. and I have a group with me at the rug and we have like all the pattern blocks out. We are showing how mm-hmm. to model adding fractions like three different ways. And I just took a moment and looked up and everyone in my room was engaged. Like I could say without a doubt, 100%. And so I just stopped. And then like a miracle, my principal just happened to do a walkthrough. <laughs> now, wow. let me tell you, that never happens. But for this moment, it did. And it wasn't anything official. Yes. And she just came and she sat down. And now this is a principal that I respect in life itself. She definitely made me the teacher I am. And she pulled out just a little tiny piece of paper, wrote a note and left it on my desk. And so at the end of the block, I went over to see what it said. And she oh. said, Mrs. Segner, I would want my child to learn math from you. And find it. That's, all, that's all she said. And it was everything I needed. I mean, I was on cloud nine probably oh, the whole I'm next crying. Month. For someone that you respect to say that to you is unbelievable. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I still had that little piece of paper taped like right by my desk. So I always like, oh, if I'm I feeling love that. You've got me tearing up. Whatever, it's for that moment in time. I looked up and acknowledged I was doing a great job. And then she happened to see the same thing. And that always reminds me too. now being a leader, just take the time to leave the note. It took her 15 seconds to write that. And it changed so much for me and made the biggest impact. So I that's another kind of goal I have moving forward is it does not take time to write a simple note. It was not an email. It was not a text. It was a handwritten small piece of paper that I saved all these years later. I love that. And and something you mentioned yeah. is about math having yeah. different concepts that just because a student struggled in one yeah. concept of math, yeah. like multiplication or whatever, 
that when you change to fractions, now they find this new love of math. And that can happen in other subject areas, too. And we need to make sure we say that to kids. Like, just because you have you're struggling in one area doesn't mean you're doomed for this entire subject all year. It just meant that was kind of a hard Mm -hmm. chapter. But next, we're going to learn something else. And it's going to be fun and engaging. And you did learning stations. That's very hands on. Kids love that. My small groups, I would always change them up. I don't think a kid should. I mean, especially once you get into third, fourth, fifth grade, they're, they're knowing which kids are high. And if they're not in that group, they're acknowledging that. So I would always give a pretest before any new content I was teaching because the groups are going to change. Mm-hmm. You're not forever in that group because of one thing. So just making it okay on this skill, change, this is yep. kind of your level of what you're going to work on and just changing it up, I right. think helps there, you know, kind of what we're talking about with math anxiety and I mean, it really, it really hits right at that yeah. age. Well, and if you're consistently yeah. giving a pretest, you're modeling right. that they can trust you because you're following through on your word that, that the groups will change rather than you just preaching it. So I love that. Um, okay. So tell us yeah, what so are you work connecting with people. Um, so if you want to check it out, it's just my name. So it's com. And so I do a little bit of both math and coaching. Like you said at the top of the show, there's not a lot of support for coaches, you know, most of us didn't do any coursework in coaching. We kind of just fill into these roles. So there's not a lot of education for us out there. So I've been kind of trying to put some information and some resources out there for coaches, as well as primarily on third, fourth and fifth grade math teachers. We need it. (laughs) it. I'm so glad you're doing that. All right, Beth, I want to be respectful of your time. But before I let you go, I want to ask you one final question. And we've kind of alluded to how you reignited your passion by getting into coaching, but how do you stay right now passionate? One new thing, one new strategy, just one new tool you've seen. I think online and, you know, in the Instagram world, we can be bombarded (laughs) with all these amazing ideas. And I have the problem of, I feel like I'm just treading water. Like, Oh, I want to do all those. And then I actually end up doing none of them. So just picking one thing you see a month and be like, okay, for this month, I'm going to dabble in this or I'm going to try this Mm -hmm. out with my teachers and see how it goes. That's really helped me not get overwhelmed and still move forward by trying one new thing each month. And that's been really helpful. And then, of course, like listening to great podcasts like yours and people are just putting out such great content right now to help with this that on a tough day, instead of listening to music on the way home, throwing that on like great it kind of gives you it's like your own little yeah you get a little pep talk you're like okay other people out there are doing this yep. work too and we just we need to get together and help step. each other with it because it can be isolating sometimes gosh i couldn't have said it any better well on behalf of elite educators everywhere yeah, so thank I'm you so Instagram much for your time my blog is bethsegner.com awesome all right elite educators you heard it start connecting with beth Thanks again so much. All right, Elite Educators, was that not an empowering message from Beth? She is passionate about mathematics and teacher leadership, and she's so easy to relate to and to connect with. So I highly suggest you go to the show notes page, go to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast. You'll find this episode in all the different ways that you can connect with Beth are there, and she wants to get to know you and help you on your journey. So please make sure you do that. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Beth Segner. Now go out and be great because you've just been 
Empowered. <laughs>